What's up, everyone? You're tuning in to RNFM Radio, and this is episode 154. Well, hello there, everyone. You are tuning in to RNFM Radio, episode 154, and you're hanging out with us on the Pulse of Nursing. And speaking of the Pulse of Nursing, head over to rnfmradio.com to find out more about our awesome guests, the podcast, and all the content that we're sharing over there because this is highly valuable content, we think, because it is coming from the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. And speaking of a leader and thought provoker, I am extremely excited today about this show that you're about to embark on with us, Brian Park, founder of Nobby Socks. This, again, is a very exhilarating, exciting, and informative show. I got so excited, I literally jumped out of my skin and jumped out of the mic, and I, I just... The show could have just kept going on and on and on, but we had to certainly cut it. And so we hope to have Brian back again soon or, of course, on one of our other shows. But I'll tell you what, for the nurse entrepreneurs out there and for those who are looking to even build a personal brand or whatever that is, you're going to find some value in the show. It is going to be an incredible show because Brian is going to walk you through his process, his path that he blazed to entrepreneurship and what it was like to start a product and get it out there and launch it. And I think it is extremely helpful for those of you who are looking to do something very similar. Brian offers a lot of value and a lot of context to what his story was. So anyway, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce my co-host, Keith Carlson, bring him on so that we can bring Brian on. So Keith, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, thanks, Kev. It's great to be here again on RNFM Radio, episode 154. Can't believe it. We have a great guest for you all today, and I'm super excited to have him on. Kevin's excited. We're all excited. I think he is too. He and I met down in Atlanta when I was at Marsha Batiste's Wealth and Wellness Live conference, and meeting Brian Park was a thrill, and we're really glad to have him on the show. So Brian Park from Chicago is the CEO of Nobby Socks, and it's the most awesome compression sock company in the world. So after three years of nursing in a trauma ICU, Brian decided it was time for a change and he began his passionate quest for financial freedom. This led Brian to discover the lean startup method and small business automation, both of which allowed him to manage knobby socks with little time or monetary investment. So Brian has utilized this freedom to become a certified hypnotherapist, a hospital magician, to backpack around the world, and to spend more time with all the amazing people in his life. He now resides in Chicago where he says the people are great and the weather is awful. So, Brian Park, it is so great to have you. Welcome to RNFM Radio. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I, uh, I was, it was really great meeting you at that conference. It was actually uh, really inspirational. I, I've been doing a lot of writing and uh, a little bit of blogging, actually, since that time. So I really appreciate you uh, having me on here. Oh my gosh. Well, sometimes I have that effect on people. So thank you. I'm glad I had a positive effect. And Kevin Ross is going to have a positive effect on you too and you him. So it's great to have you here. And so what I said in your bio was what I understand that you were an ICU nurse for about three years and you had, you know, pretty good experience as a nurse, as a newer nurse. And one day you had this I guess you'd call it an epiphany or a light bulb went off above your head or something happened and you had this idea and I believe it involved a scrap of paper, correct? Yeah, it was actually, um, so we had recently introduced a dress code at our hospital 
And all the nurses had to start wearing uh, seal blue scrubs. And it kind of left very little room for the nurses to express themselves through what they were wearing. Um, so a lot of the nurses on our unit would already be wearing TED hose. So they started wearing socks over the TED hose because socks were the only things that they could, only thing that they could wear that was fun or bright, able to express themselves. So it's, it just seemed like it didn't make sense to me that you would wear socks on top of your TED hose. It seemed very hot and you would actually get some, maybe some rubbing and chafing. So I was, it was sitting on night shift and I just had given a report and I was watching someone walk around with their doubled up pair of socks. And the idea occurred to me that why not just make fun colored socks or compression socks rather. That way you could uh, have those fun colors without having to double up on your socks. So I actually wrote it on my report sheet, uh, which I do still have somewhere. HIPAA, HIPAA compliant though. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, and yeah, so from that point, that was in, um, I believe I had that idea in October. And then from October, I filmed uh, a Kickstarter video that following month. And then by February, I had um, raised a little bit under $13,000 um, in order to start this business, which cost me all of maybe $200 to of investment which was mostly in like Target socks and a couple of samples <laughs> from Taiwan. So yeah, it was, uh, it was really, it was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I was working weekends at the time. So uh, it, had give, it did give me a little bit of time and I'm a little bit more regular of a schedule. So, Well, you know, I wanted to jump in here because I'm really excited that I think we've had very few entrepreneurs on RNFM who have taken advantage of these Kickstarter campaigns. So what was that really like for you? I mean, Talk about hit the ground running, uh, literally, and, and running in your compression socks. <laughs> but, but, and, and I'll talk more about that because I have a personal experience to share with that. But anyway, what was that experience like with Kickstarter? I mean, that had to be really exciting. It was. It was really, really exciting, um, partially because there was no risk involved. Uh, the way Kickstarter works is you basically ask uh, for money in order to fund the start of your company. So... Uh, I, all I had to pay for was some samples to film a video about my socks. So the fact that I'm potentially going to raise a whole bunch of money with no risk involved for myself, uh, just, it makes it almost a, just like purely enjoyable experience. There's no stress involved. Um, and I was actually, I just kind of letting it ride. I didn't really have confidence that I would make my goal. Um, but I was actually on a plane visiting my friend um, and I paid for the Wi-Fi on the plane in order to watch the end of my Kickstarter campaign. And I got fully funded on the airplane and um, there was this feeling of like utter joy, but also this sudden dread because I realized I had no idea how to run a business. <laughs> and now I was responsible for uh, delivering a bunch of socks. But uh, the campaign itself was just really fun. It was fun to tell people about it, um, that, that starting something new in general, I think, is really exciting. But this felt a little bit grander, a little bit bigger. So uh, sharing it, there's a certain amount of pride in like, hey, check this out. Um, I'm trying to start this company. It made me feel uh, there's a sense of accomplishment even before it was funded. So it's just like a, it's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, regardless of whether or not you think that business will be fully funded or not. So yeah, just the experience is a lot of fun. 
Right. Well, I, I just think it's definitely a way to, cause you're right. Just what you said just moments ago, you kind of just got thrown in the fire. You're like, okay, I've got this business idea. I want to do this. I'll throw it up on Kickstarter, which is a huge platform. And as you said, you got funded really quickly. Now all of a sudden you're, you're accountable. Like you're like, oh my gosh, I have money now and people who want to invest in this. And now I've actually got to deliver on that promise. And so I, I definitely take that approach too. Like I just kind of like go right into the fire or the deep end or whatever as an entrepreneur. Um, but that to me, that story, I love hearing these stories and I don't think you're alone because I've talked to a lot of people who have, uh, taken the, taken advantage of that Kickstarter campaign and they too were like, okay, I'm ready to go, ready to go. And then all of a sudden the funding starts coming in and like, oh my gosh, they're like sweating bullets and like, <laughs> we got, we've got to manufacture this stuff now. We've really got to like execute on this. So I, I understand what you're saying, uh, from that standpoint, but it's so great that you've actually got kickstarted that way. Yeah, I've actually... Uh, while I was traveling, I met maybe three or four other people that funded their lifestyle through Kickstarter. Um, I met someone who funded a peanut butter company through Kickstarter. Uh, another one who funded a documentary on PTSD. Um, and I believe something about hammocks. I don't actually remember anymore. But, but, uh, <laughs> wow, what a combination. Hammocks, yeah. sure. socks. Peanut butter peanut and hammocks. Butter. That's my dream right yeah, there. That's, <laughs> that's wearing your knobby socks in a hammock while you eat peanut butter. That's, I'm, it's beautiful. I'm treating my PTSD like just relaxing in a hammock, <laughs> eating my PBJ, you know? <laughs> and I eat peanut butter every day. socks. You have to wear the knobby socks <laughs> exactly. while you're relaxing. Indeed, that's indeed. Because right. if you're going to lay in your hammock all day, I mean, you've got to keep that blood pumping back towards your heart and the knobby socks right. is the way to do it with style. <laughs> so, and Brian, I, I need to ask you a question about your target market because obviously you were in the ICU, you were watching the nurses, they were wearing these doubled socks and you were like, that's kind of silly. I want to create something that they can wear that's a compression sock and looks really cool, right? So you saw the nurses, you decided, all right, that's a really cool idea. I'm going to get it funded did you actually think that nurses would be the ones who were going to actually buy your products once they were ready to, for the market? So when I started, I knew that some nurses would potentially buy the socks. Um, I was very skeptical for a couple of reasons. I, I made a couple assumptions that were wrong. <laughs> um, okay. The first one was that I didn't think nurses used Kickstarter. It seemed more of a Silicon Valley tech savvy um, kind of like people who program that type of, um, community. And some, uh, the other thing I thought about was that there aren't, there are quite a few nurses. I think last time I checked, there's almost 700,000 in the United States. That might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But, um, I just thought maybe I should get, have a larger market. So I actually initially focused on athletes, uh, primarily runners. And, um, I don't know, some of the listeners might be familiar with CrossFit, uh, which is, uh, it's basically circuit training, I guess, uh, but with a different kind of attitude and mentality. Uh, but both of those markets wear compression socks, and they're very limited. Uh, they were very limited in the way they could express themselves or wearing them. So those are those are my initial uh, markets that I hit or tried to hit, and I found that they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't really care to buy the socks, and I ended up getting. A lot, most of my sales, I mean, almost 100% of my sales from nurses. Uh, and that was actually mostly by word of mouth. So, um, yeah, I had to make uh, a pretty big change in how I, how I decide to market my product. So even till, even now, I mostly focus on nurses and just healthcare workers. 
Right. Well, and I think that's actually a lesson learned when you were talking about reaching that audience. And Keith, what do we have RN-wise? Three million in the United States? I believe it's 3.2 or 3.3 million just in the U.S. right Right. now. And so Kickstarter is really a crowdsourcing campaign. And I think that nurses are really good at crowdsourcing ideas and agendas and movements and things like that. So it's really about tapping into a very vibrant and passionate uh, cohort group in the United States, nurses, as this kind of crowdsourcing engine that you have. Because what we have found is that when nurses, when they're upset, we know about it, but when they're actually really, really happy and want to celebrate something, whether it's a product or service, especially we see a lot of that in the product space of shoes and socks and scrubs and the like, they will they will share that with their colleagues because sometimes, as you were saying earlier, when you're in the seal blue sort of mentality of, okay, everybody who's an RN has to wear that and everybody who's such and such has to wear this, um, it gets a little mundane. And I think that I've seen over the years nurses wanting to share their creativity with their colleagues to say, hey, like, these are really cool looking. They make me feel like even though, like, you don't see these socks underneath my scrubs, I still feel happy. I still feel like different or creative or whatever that is. And they they tend to share those things with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't really think I didn't have the uh, correct assumption at the time. Um, but I, I mean, even on my unit, people would take the uh, tops off of the different um, injectable medications and save them. And then they would glue them together around their their badge holder and kind of make <laughs> them into a flower. Um, and things like that were just, everyone loved doing that type of stuff on the unit. And for some reason, it didn't occur to me that they just really loved to express themselves and share together, like making these crafts or sharing uh, their newest Dansko shoes or what have you, um, you know, with the sparkles or... Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, now, now I know, <laughs> now I know. Well, and so let's, let's kind of get in. Cause Keith was, was just about to talk about, um, just a few moments ago. Let's talk about like what these socks really are doing, like the science behind it and what we can expect when we wear these socks. Sure. So compression socks are, um, evidence-based. There's quite a bit of, uh, science behind them. And the primary benefit is, well, so our socks are FDA registered uh, and they also are graduated compression, which is a little, which most socks are now, but essentially that means they're the tightest down at your ankle um, and they slowly release pressure as they reach your, towards your knee. And what that does, it helps uh, the venous return uh, of blood in your body, pr- primarily in your feet and legs. And that can reduce swelling. It can reduce uh, pain, soreness. Um, it's been pretty well documented to reduce uh, recovery times after exercise. A lot of people that get benefits medically from uh, Ted Hose also can wear our compression socks because they are FDA registered patent. Uh, they just need to make sure with their doctor that uh, our specific amount of compression is appropriate for what they need. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of any people with heart conditions, people with lymphedema, uh, even pregnant women who uh, may be suffering from swollen feet and legs, uh, that compression can help aid in re- the reuptake of that fluid and the movement of blood through their lower extremities to give all sorts of health benefits. And um, another thing I guess that a lot of nurses and teachers always uh, talk to me about is uh, preventing varicose veins or spider veins. 
Uh, so that definitely is another reason that um, wearing compression socks can really help out. Right. Sure. And when nurses, not all nurses are on their feet for eight, 10 or 12 right. hours or more, but many nurses are, especially in the hospital. So we have nurses working in all sorts of places, but when you're in the hospital on your feet for let's say 12 hours, I can imagine that wearing these would be very helpful, right, Brian? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people, a lot of nurses I find don't even realize how, how much of a beating their feet and legs can take during a shift. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you, a lot of nurses work, walk uh, multiple miles <laughs> during a shift, whether they realize it or not. And uh, once they wear compression socks, um, and in this case, I'll, I'll speak to my product of Nobby socks. I very frequently get emails like, oh my, oh my gosh, I didn't know what a difference these could make. And they just realized that they have, they feel lighter on their feet. They have more overall energy actually. Um, just cause it doesn't feel like their feet are dragging. They just have a lot more kind of pep in their step. And uh, if they are suffering from swollen or sore feet, that tends to go away also. Well, and and Brian, I wanted to share my personal experience with you and, of course, the listeners out there. And so I am a nurse, but I'm not at the bedside, but I got a lot of hustle. I do a lot of walking. And also, too, like when I'm at a desk, I don't sit. I actually stand. Right now, I'm actually at my standing desk in my home office, and I utilize standing desks wherever I am. And so I really feel like these socks have rounded out my ergonomic uh, push to, to make sure that, that life for me or that everything that I'm utilizing, the technology and how I do it is, is best practice for me and my body using the right shoes. And right now I'm standing on a hog heaven mat, which is this cushioned mat and everything ergonomically at my desk is perfect. And now I feel like these socks have done this and here's, here's a great thing. So I, I like to run and I'm also a cyclist. And let's talk about the science of recovery. And I can tell you my own case study, these are great. So yesterday I was playing soccer with my kids. I coached soccer for the kids and I'm out there on the field running around with them. And I pulled a muscle uh, in my calf, just the the ground was a little wet and I didn't have cleats on or anything. So I slipped a little bit and I noticed a, a little twinge. Well, anyway, it's fine. You know, I'm an athlete. I'll just kind of walk it off or whatever. And then I went for a run this morning and I could tell like, wow, this is really hurting. Um, I'm really, really sore. So after I finished my run, I put these socks on and I can tell you what, I can barely feel any of that ache anymore. They feel great. I mean, like talk about recovery. I was like thinking, yeah, this will take like a couple of days and maybe it will for some people. But for me, like I'm telling you, I can barely feel anything in my left calf right now. As far as like, I can feel my calf. It's just the pain. The, yeah, it's the circulation's still there. Like I feel the calf itself, but nice. but no, the pain is not there anymore. Yeah, that's that's uh, really really awesome. Actually, um, I mean, I've I've obviously I've experienced similar effects, and uh, there's a cycling team here that my friends have called uh, Chicago Bonkers, um, nice. and uh, they all. I, I just kind of gave them the compression socks when I first started and now they're all obsessed with them, uh, to wearing them for recovery afterwards. Cause they all noticed, uh, you know, very similar effects, just a lot shorter recovery times. That's great. Well, I'm going to send a pair or have a pair sent to my brother who's a cyclist in Boston. So I'm going to have him check them out too. And, you know, Brian, speaking of the actual socks, so many people might be wondering, we don't have to get deep, deep into this if you don't want to, but how did you figure out where to have them made, how to have them shipped, you know, all those little pieces of, you know, developing a product is one thing, and it's great that you develop the product, but then how do you actually make it happen? So 
I'm always excited to tell people about this, actually, because uh, I think people think it's really difficult to do this type of stuff. But the reality of it is that technology has made it just so much easier. Um, Just year by year, it just gets easier and easier to develop a product and get it made. So me personally, um, I went to Alibaba.com, which is a website that is kind of like a Google that specializes in manufacturers from all around the world. And um, I looked up a whole bunch of different uh, compression stock manufacturers, which there are not very many. Um, But I tried to find the ones that already had an FDA registered patent. And in the end, I think I got about eight or nine different manufacturers. I had them all send samples of their current products. I did a little bit of my own testing, uh, just personally and with friends and family. And I found the ones that I liked the best. Then I kind of made some little tweaks to the design that they used. That partially that's related to the demographic that I'm going for. Um, initially, the socks were a bit too short. Um, so they were made a little bit longer and a couple other modifications. Uh, the primary modification was that I started uh, knitting interesting designs into them like polka dots and argyle and stripes. And uh, I just had to find a manufacturer that was wor- willing to work with me on that and allow me to piggyback on their uh, their patents. And honestly, it wasn't very hard. It took me probably a month to get that all going. And from that point, honestly, the shipping is a lot more confusing <laughs> and harder than the actual development of the product. So I did have to find someone at a larger company initially just to have that support Uh, of a large network of people in order to walk me through the process. Um, So I went with DHL, which a lot of people may be familiar with just because um, if you've gotten something shipped to you internationally, it very frequently is done by DHL. And yeah, I just talked to them. Uh, I just had to be, I think a lot of people, especially when they're first starting, feel like they need to know what they're talking about because they don't want to maybe get taken advantage of or look stupid. But I've found that just admitting that you don't know anything <laughs> is really, really, is a really, really good idea. That way they will take it upon themselves to do that extra legwork to make sure you get everything that you need to get going. And it was relatively seamless. Uh, so I was able to deliver my, that first Kickstarter run of socks in I think three months, which was uh, almost, is like record time for Kickstarter because usually it can take up to a year. So yeah, uh, I mean, it wasn't that hard. I, I always tell my friends that and really push for them to do something similar if that's uh, something that they want to do. Well, and, and actually just to, just to expand a little bit because, oh my gosh, Brian, this is like really, really good information because again, we don't have a lot of folks on here with products themselves. And so the logistics aspect, as you were talking about with DHL. So essentially when somebody goes to your website, is it just a matter that you have somebody hand, handling your logistics as far as processing the order and then shipping that out from their source and you don't necessarily touch the product yourself? Yeah, so that's exactly, exactly right. right. Initially, I was shipping them out by hand, but that was not my end goal. <laughs> my end goal was right. to not do any, do any, like, to minimize the amount of work I did. So I did end up hiring, I started with Amazon, actually. Amazon is good. Uh, you get a lot of reach. They are amazingly reliable. However, um, if you have any, if I Oh, I'll speak from my own experience. Uh, whenever I had any problems, I found it really, really hard to get them fixed because they just have, you know, the entire world's inventory in a mm-hmm. warehouse. 
So getting what you need done was really, really difficult. So I actually ended up moving all my stock to a warehouse in New Jersey, this company called Fulfill Right. I'll plug them because they're so great. Uh, sure. And the head, the guy who owns the place, Carl, I can just email him whenever I have a problem and he takes care of it for me. And I love that. I love that personalization and knowing, having a lot of confidence in where my product is stored. So I did move it there and they just do everything for me. Um, anytime someone makes an order on my website, it goes directly to their warehouse and they'll ship it that same day. And um, then they'll just charge me and it's all automated. Uh, things just, money just goes in and out of my bank account <laughs> um, and I don't have to touch any socks and I don't have to you know, even send the orders over to fulfill right every day or anything like that. It's just all done by computers. So, wow, this, I mean, it really sounds like, I mean, I realize it's not necessarily a hundred percent passive per se, because I know that you have to do some work or at least there's a lot of upfront work, but I'll tell you what, this is pretty darn passive income to me. It sounds like it. And again, something that we, we really don't have a lot of on RNFM. So this is really a, ple- a pleasure and an honor to hear <laughs> this story from you. I love this. No, yeah. I, I mean, I really appreciate that. Um, the, the passive income was my goal. I did set a goal for myself in the beginning, and that was to make enough money to pay my bills, which at the time I think I set at like 45000 or something. I don't mind living pretty, pretty uh, simply. And then I, the, my, my primary goal is to work less than 10 hours a week. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that sounds pretty, pretty appealing good. to a lot of people. I think. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are listening saying, hmm, okay, I've seen that book, The 4-Hour Workweek, but I didn't think it was really possible. But Brian Park is showing that, well, maybe it is possible after all. <laughs> right. And uh, Brian, when you and I met in Atlanta, you talked about this concept during your presentation of, let me see, an MVP, and that's yeah. not most valuable player. So could you <laughs> tell us what MVP stands for? Because it was a concept that meant something to me at the time, and I would like you to share it with our listeners and with Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. So this has mostly been popular, popularized by Silicon Valley and developers, but you can, it, I think it should be and can be applied to almost any business idea and it stands for minimum viable product. And I think a lot of nurses can kind of relate to this in a way in that it basically makes sure that everything you do in your business is evidence-based. So it is evidence-based practice business. And the idea is that you want to spend the minimum amount of money, time, and effort in order to validate any business idea you have. And when I say validate, I mean make sure that it's worth spending your time, effort, and money on. So a really good example actually is, I think I told this story at the conference, was my initial MVP for Navi Socks was I bought, I think maybe $50 of uh, funky, bright colored socks at Target. And then I wore them to the gym uh, with (laughs) shorts on and worked out right in front of the CrossFit class. And so when all the people walked out, I'd be working out right in front of the CrossFit class. And I set my goal to prove that compression socks, that CrossFitters would want to buy my compression socks that are fun colors. That uh, So I set my goal that 30 people, or actually I don't remember my exact goal, but let's say it was 30 people walked up to me in that week and asked me about my socks and I was able to get their email. 
So these people would walk out of the class and they would say, hey, I really like your socks. I'd be like, oh, well, that's funny that you ask. They're actually com compression socks from my company. And they'd be like, oh, really? And I'd be like, yeah, if you want to buy a pair, like send me your email. Uh, I'll tell you how to get them. And uh, believe it or not, it actually did happen quite a few times. That's a lot great. Asked me about the socks. Um, and, you know, they weren't actually mm -hmm. my compression socks. They were just um, Target socks. But this allowed me to spend $50 in order to make sure that my idea was good before I went and tried to raise the $13,000 and spend the $13,000 to uh, just get the business going. And that way I didn't waste any time, effort, and money, or not too much at least. I did go to the gym to work out anyways. So, well, that um, was a fringe benefit, I guess, that you were <laughs> working out even though you were actually just wanted to show off these awesome socks. Right, exactly. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's how I got started, and I continually do new MVPs. I just did one for Nurses Week, honestly, mm. on um, my advertising, and I was measuring what type of giveaways generated the most traffic from my site and mm -hmm. um, things like that. And I just validate it with these. I, I validate all my ideas before I spend too much money. Wow. And that way I don't waste too much money, time, or effort. And my business runs really lean, which is why uh, it's really popular amongst the lean startup methodology, which you talked about in the intro. Well, Kevin, is, is he speaking your language? Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, it's, it's like ding, ding, ding. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I just want to keep saying, uh-huh, yep. Uh -huh. No, I, I totally get it with the MVP. And, and what you're doing actually with your market analysis and trying to reach your target market, you're doing the right things. I mean, and really today in 2015 that we're talking about here with advertising and doing market analysis and trying to reach your target audience, it's so much easier than it would have been even just five years ago, and a, but especially a decade or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have social media at your fingertips. You have ways of targeting specific niches or cohorts of, of an audience here to see, as, as you said, which campaigns are actually working well. And I don't think actually, I would say a, a small fraction of nurse entrepreneurs are even aware of this approach, of this modality to figure out who the target audience is, rather than just kind of blast things out like this shotgun effect, really kind of get it down to a granular um, perspective to see like, okay, what pieces are really working and why is that working? Like, what is your call to action? Like, what is the content really saying? And, and what's the engagement look like? And to have those analytics at your fingertips is an amazing, just, I mean, it's a huge win for the budding entrepreneur who's really on a shoestring budget, especially the solopreneur just starting out themselves and don't, maybe they don't have a lot of seed money or angel investors or just a lot in their own savings account to kind of get started. But I'll tell you what, you can rock it out like these huge businesses that have hundreds of thousands or maybe even multi-millions of dollars to do this type of stuff where they run these focus groups and they get these products out there to test and get feedback on. But you can do that on a much smaller scale and still get the, the same type of execution as far as like what you need out of it so that you can scale it however you need to in your business. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think you can spend a hundred dollars and save yourself potentially, you know, your whole life savings just because you get to check if your market is there or they're willing to buy from you. And I think, like you said, a lot of nurses don't know about this or a lot of nurse entrepreneurs. And I think it's really suited for the way nurses think. So it's kind of unfortunate. I think they just need to find out and they'd be really good at doing this type of analysis because it is that evidence-based practice and uh, being able to kind of almost diagnose 
I guess, uh, your business and mm -hmm. uh, your business's problems and the p potential solutions. So I think nurses have that mindset already. And that why th that's why they could be really, really successful using these types of uh, approaches. Well, yeah, looking at, well, I was going to say, looking at your dashboard of like Google Analytics or your Facebook advertising and whatnot, you can almost like look at it as like lab work for your patients. Like, okay, <laughs> how am I actually going to correct these mm -hmm. things? Like, if, am I going to give a little extra sodium, a little extra potassium? Like, how am I actually going to do this? And really, as you said, it's the assessment skills and the triaging that we are able to do just looking at that information in a different way. Kevin, that is amazing. I think one of your upcoming podcasts at Innovative Nurse, at the Innovative Nurse Show, could be this metaphor you just created of the Google Analytics dashboard as related to a CBC. Yeah, actually, um, that, <laughs> that, that podcast is soon to be launched. Oh, so okay. Yes, well, it is in the pipeline. First, yeah, no, it's a thing. That's, that's a little, that's a little teaser, but right. I'm going to be talking about that. And I'm just glad that Brian opened the door that's to right. this discussion. And you know, so. I love metaphors, so I'm, I'm just always hot for a cool metaphor. Oh yeah. So it's great. So Brian, I wanted to ask you, because a lot of nurses are listening to the show, obviously about 99% of our listeners are nurses. We are pretty sure of that. So if there's a nurse out there and he or she has an idea for a product, what's the first step? What's the first thing to do if they have a product idea? Oh, so the first thing to do, I would say, is to identify their market. Okay. Um, and the best way to go about doing that is to first frame your business idea as a problem. So... For example, for my knobby socks, my problem was that there are nurses that want to wear compression socks that also want to express themselves and they have no means of doing that. So that's a problem. And I kind of identified my market in that problem in that it's nurses that aren't able to express themselves. And that way I can first identify my market and I can think about that market and ask myself once again, do nurses want to actually buy these things? Can, can they buy these things? Um, obviously, for example, one of my friends was recently thinking about starting this really, really high-priced personal training uh, program, and he wanted to target college students. And if he, once he identified his market, he would have real, he realized that college students don't have a bunch of money to pay for that. So then he has to either change his idea or come up with a new idea. So I think identifying your problem in your market is the first place um, to go. I know that's not as not super fun sounding. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. like going and starting a product and all that stuff. But if you don't have a good problem, right. you can't build a good solution. So you might end up just building this thing that no one wants. So uh, I think that's the first place to start. And f once that's all kind of cleared up, uh, that's when you can start doing all that f the more fun stuff that feels more like uh, you have a business. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say start with problem and market. Excellent. Well, and I think, I think it's also smart to, to look at what the price point of entry is. So for instance, obviously these socks are extremely, I think reasonably priced and yet it's something that just continues to give as far as health and wellness, you know, longevity and, and sustainability within your own health and wellness, especially if you are a nurse or a physician or healthcare provider on your feet or, or no matter what you're doing, no matter what environment you're in, if you're on your feet and hustling on your feet, a good chunk of your day. And, you know, this is definitely a nice price point of entry to something that just kind of keeps giving back and over and over again. And there's very little effort on, on that part. I'm not saying like, don't go out and exercise and, and run and take care of yourself, but, <laughs> but to go online to, to get a couple pairs of socks that could really carry you through not only, you know, 
just physically, but just, I mean, philosophically here, I mean, just thinking like it, it just, I feel like emotionally, I feel like more uplifted. Like I feel supported physically and I feel emotionally better because that pain that I had, that nagging pain, it's not there anymore, you know, from that injury. So I just feel much better for it. And like I said, the price point is amazing. Wow. What a testimonial, Brian. You have, we <laughs> right. have that on digital Unsolicited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, unsolicited, quite frankly. No, wow. I, I, I just, I just got to give, I got to give it props where it's due. I mean, this is just an amazing product. All right. Well, I'm really glad that you love them. And I actually, you know, I, it's kind of surprising that I never thought about marketing the mental aspect <laughs> until this exact moment. Mm. So that testimonial is doubly hey. value and valuable in that way. Leave it well, to I'm glad Kevin to drop Ross. that for you. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, think about it though. When you've got some aches and pains, I mean, are you really kind of firing on all cylinders? Mm-hmm. I know that, that that was the whole thing for me, my perspective of the standing desk and the right shoes and all kinds of things, because I knew like if I had this twinge or an ache or pain and people deal with chronic pain, especially in their lower extremities. That's true. And so you got to bring your best. You got to bring your A game each and every time, especially if you're in the healthcare space and you've got to deliver that A game care to your patients, those that you're serving. Uh, and and I know that if I feel physically much better, then obviously mentally I'm going to be much stronger. That's a good point, Kevin. And think about let's go back to the ICU again, or a nurse in a high acuity setting who's on his or her feet for 12 hours, let's say maybe more. And if that nurse's feet are killing her, how present can she really be? And how much of her emotional self and how much of her cognitive capacity is focused on the pain and maybe getting off of her feet? No, And that's totally understandable. But how present can you be in those moments? Right. Yeah. Well, well, definitely. And we also have to talk about this because I need to call this out too, Brian. I mean, you, you ultimately brought happy and sexy to compression socks. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. people think of compression socks, like, there's no way I'm wearing those things or I'm going to keep my legs covered. I mean, I would want to walk into work like with my, le- my pant legs rolled up, right. you know, <laughs> just walking in with those, those things just hanging yeah. out because it's a conversation starter. And that's the one prop I wanted to give you, Brian, is like looking at your site you know, as a consultant, and I'm actually doing a new launch of a new brand for for something I'm involved with. And I just love the fact that your about page on the site itself, you, I think, did the right thing from a branding perspective. I feel more connected to you. Even before this interview, I feel more connected to you because you really just kind of shared little nuggets of who you are. It's true. Not just the product, but who you are. Right. And that kind of unstuffy, unbuttoned up, you know, at polished piece, not to say that you're not polished. I'm just saying it, it's very fun. I feel more connected to you because you seem like a really fun uh, guy. And I, I just love that, he that you kind of tied that guy. to your product. <laughs> well, yeah. And you just tied that to your product and it's, your, it's part of your personal brand. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it also makes it easier <laughs> like, <laughs> right. just to be myself and to have fun with it. And I wasn't, I mean, I, I won't say I did it by accident. It was most certainly intentional that I made it that way. But at the same time, it's very honest. It's exactly who I am. It's exactly what I want to portray for my business. And I try to include as much of that as possible so that everyone who buys the socks knows that I, and and I really mean this, I actually do care about uh, their experience because I don't have, you know, millions of customers to deal with. So I, I really do want to, if they're not satisfied, I really want them to know that they can email me and, you know, get whatever they need, whether it even be a refund, that's totally okay. 
I just want uh, my customers to be happy because um, I find that happy customers just make uh, happy owners of their right. businesses. So I've kind of established that if someone's dissatisfied, sometimes even if it's an angry email, um, I'll say, you know what? If you want a refund, that's absolutely okay. You don't even have to send the socks back. I just want you to be satisfied with what happened with, in our interaction. And a lot of times, I think maybe 100% of those times, those angry emails become kind of like, well, you know, these didn't work out for me, but I'll definitely tell my friends about it because of how awesome you are. <laughs> right. Um, and that's great. And that says so much about you, Brian. You and I have had dinner together. We've hung right. out in Atlanta together. So I can really attest to your personable uh, demeanor and your kindness and how much fun it is to hang out with you. And I hope we can hang out together again. And I hope Kevin and you can meet in person. And for our listeners out there, I just encourage you to go to Nobby Socks. And again, it's it's N-A-B-E-E, NobbySocks.com. If you go to the About page, we challenge you to go there and read the seven extremely important facts about Kevin. I mean, about Brian. They know tell about us, me, Keith. <laughs> yeah. What's What are his favorite foods? And tell us what he thinks about chairs. If you can look up and find what he thinks about chairs, that would be a great thing. And also what he thinks about cats and dogs. So we challenge you to go there and then read a little bit more about Brian's family and what's motivated him to start this business. But Brian, before we finish up, because we could talk with you for hours, obviously, you have done a bunch of things based on the financial freedom that you've gleaned from this business venture. And one is becoming certified as a hypnotherapist. And I wish I'd known you were living in Albuquerque at the time because we would have hung out. And you've also done a lot of traveling and volunteering. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? Because we'd love to hear more about you personally and how this has changed your life. Yeah, I would really love to. Um, mostly because I think I really want to inspire those people that would like to kind of take on a different lifestyle and design their life the way that they want to know that it's possible. So I, for the first, the second year that I was in business, I was working I mean, our, I, some, some weeks I wouldn't even work, honestly, like zero hours. <laughs> and I was able to travel around the world and I've run this, con I've run Nobby Socks out of 10 different countries. And for about a year I was traveling, just traveling. Um, and I got the opportunity to meet all sorts of cool people, um, experience new cultures and foods. And as far as the volunteer opportunities are concerned, I got to uh, I went to the Syrian, the Syrian Turkey border, and I was able to volunteer there and drive a truck for the Syrian refugees, which was an amazing experience. Just a lot of them spoke English. They're very well educated. Uh, I met a couple college professors from Syria, um, and they told me all about Syria and the war and their moms, and it was, it was really amazing. But, you know, once I got home, I, I, I really want to talk about this uh with the hospital magician thing that you introduced me with there's an organization here in chicago called open heart magic um and this is kind of filling in that void where because i'm not at the bedside anymore and that this program teaches people to be magicians and we go to the uh, pediatric hospitals in the area and do one-on-one -on -one magic for the children in a way that empowers them in a way that gives them a sense of choice because they, they lose all that in the hospital. And I'll admit I haven't actually gone to the hospital yet. I just graduated from Magic University. <laughs> all right. 
but I'm really, really looking forward to, you know, being on my own at the hospital, um, which should be in a couple of weeks now, actually. And being able to do this <laughs> ma- the magic with these kids without, uh, you know, without a shadow or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I got this opportunity to do magic, which is so fun. Uh, I get to do it at parties and impress people. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, you know, the hypnotherapy was great, too. That was actually, um, you know, despite what people may feel about it, is was very life-changing for me. And um, I found it to be a very effective modal- alternative modality of uh, therapy. So um, I would, you know, suggest people look into that if that sounds interesting to them. And, you know, it left me open to join some other startups. Uh, I recently start, joined a startup called Move Health. Uh, we actually launched an Indiegogo cap- campaign yesterday, I believe. Yeah, yesterday. And um, that is uh, kind of physical therapy via telemedicine. So you can um, just go to the website, pay $40 and get a licensed physical therapy session uh, just at home or at work through your computer. And um, that yet again is kind of fulfilling that part of me that really wants to still provide uh, care. So yeah, with all this free time, I get to do kind of whatever I want, (laughs) Um, which is just I love, I love it. So, um, and I think anyone else can do it. I've helped and seen other people do it. So, uh, yeah, I just really encourage people to look into it if that's something that they are interested in. Well, and you know, again, this, well, first off, let me say in the show notes, we definitely want to put that campaign on there on the show notes so that we can at least send people to that as well. That, that campaign that you were just talking about. And then certainly plotting the efforts for that passive income so that you can that you can volunteer and and fill that that nursing void because currently you're not you are you working as an RN in the clinical setting or now you're just going to be the magician uh, in the clinical setting <laughs> um you know purely a magician in the clinical setting actually. all right gotcha gotcha no that's really cool and and what what I want to roll back to is what you were saying earlier as far as customer service and and I think that that also is another connection with you and I was I just listened to another podcast a day it was about a day or two ago regarding another clothing manufacturer who he was sharing his stories and he was saying as far as brand ambassadors because I'm always talking about being a brand ambassador and getting brand ambassadors on board and and part of that is connecting with the founders or, or the employees of that current organization and he was saying that people loved his product so much the the clothes that he was getting manufactured and, and sending out like sometimes things weren't they didn't fit right or something was just a little off and they're like no, 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 I don't want to send it back. I'll just give this to a friend. I'll pay it forward. I will forward this to them. And I'll and, and instead of sending this back and you replacing it with a larger or smaller size, I'll just buy an additional product. I'll buy that additional shirt or shoe or whatever that is because they just felt so connected to him and, his, and the movement that he's all about. And so I think that that's something that you are really kind of tapping into because you talked about with logistics and the shipping and all of that, that you are partnering with an organization who also is very customer service oriented. And I think that's extremely important to know as an entrepreneur is that your strategic partnerships out there, those that are helping you be successful in your business, that's extremely important. So if they're customer service oriented for you and you, of course, for your end user, then I mean, all around, it's just a good experience. Oh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just as a rule of thumb, I just like being around nice cool people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
I've naturally discovered that, yeah, just being around those nice people really helps grow your business despite maybe it costing a little bit more or uh, requiring a little bit more legwork in the beginning, which is sometimes the case. Uh, in the end, it always pans out just on my personal life as far as stress level mm-hmm. and in um, just enjoying their company and in the end product for my customers. They, they, they receive that awesome customer service and great personality also. So all around, right. it's just awesome. Right. No, it's extremely important because I know early on in my business, I was doing a lot of pro bono work in our concierge healthcare services. And a lot of people were saying, you know, you're really just on a shoestring. When I first started the company in 2007, and I did, I just, I streamlined as much as I could so that we could give back to our communities. And now we're doing so well financially that that 50% of pro bono work that we do doesn't really matter to our bottom line. And we're, we're connecting on a much deeper and higher level with so many more people and helping more people because we just, we did that slow growth and then it became really explosive and then, but we were able to continue to give back more, but it was a risk that I was willing to take and it really paid off. I know in my company, it sounds like it will continue to pay off for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I see it every day. Um, people always just ask, I mean, they're asking me for advertising materials because they want to spread the word. Uh, so yeah, I definitely have experienced the same thing and it's, it's not only is it great for business, but it makes me feel good. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, there's just no downside. Right. Well, and, and, and so you residing in Chicago, I have to say I will be there in October, um, around the marathon. Oh, so, um, if you're, if you're in the neighborhood, I'll definitely look you up and I'd love to hang out. I think I'll be there with my family for at least a few days, four or five days in Chicago. So I'd love to connect. I mean, that would just be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so are you running in the Bank of America? I, no, I am actually not. My wife is, uh, but I will be making a sort of business slash vacation out of it. <laughs> so uh, like I said, we're taking the kids with us. And so we'll be there for a few days. And I love Chicago. And I know I'll love it more that you're there. And if I could hang out with you at least for a small amount of time, if, if you have time to carve out, just depending on if, unless you're traveling somewhere. No, no, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago because I have to stay as a magician. (laughs) Believe it or not, that's what's anchoring me to Chicago. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the three of us might meet up at the next Wealth and Wellness Live conference that Marsha Bhatti will be holding somewhere in the United States in, we believe, the fall of 2015. So stay tuned for when that... 2015 or 2016? Oh, maybe it'll be 2016. That's right. Okay. So stay tuned for that. But hopefully, Brian, you and Kevin and I will all be at that conference with Marsha and other presenters and and participants next year. So stay tuned for that, folks. And we want to make sure we mention again, Nobby Socks, N-A-B-E-E, NobbySocks.com. They're also on Facebook, Nobby Socks. They're also at Nobby Socks on Twitter. They have a great Instagram profile. So you can find them all over the place. And definitely go to that about page at NobbySocks.com and read all about Brian because it's really fun and you'll learn a lot about him. And then also click on the link to learn about his family too because it's really, it's a great story. And Brian is a man we know of great authenticity and we really want to share the, the, just spread the word about what he's doing at Nobby Socks. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, sure. <laughs> I really, um, you know, appreciate you having me on and, uh, sp- you know, spreading the word about Nobby Socks. And uh, I kind of wish we could talk more. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> um, 
But I, yeah, I the, would love anyone who wants to learn more about Nobby Socks. They can always shoot me an email if they have any questions or anything like that. Definitely. Well, and and the thing is, Brian, is that we can certainly talk more. Maybe we'll do another show, a part two, or Keith and myself. Well, I know we we haven't we have podcasts outside of this, and I have another one that's starting up. So actually we may just invite you back for an additional conversation as, as an extension of today's conversation. Right. So we'll get there. stay tuned for that folks. We'll let you know when that happens, but yeah, Brian, for sure. Let's rock it out on another podcast here, hitting the same audience as well. So, um, we would love to do that. Okay, great. I, I would love to do that also. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending your time with us today, Brian. And of course, for all the listeners out there, and we'll be shooting out all of those social media links to Nobby Socks and Brian's just amazing. You, you definitely have to read his about page. I, I always do. say on a website, make your about page very engaging and the most important page because that's where people hang out the most. They want to know about you and they know more about you today, Brian. And so it's just been an honor and a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor and pleasure for myself also. So I think as you can tell, as I was opening the show up, this was an amazing show. I hope you thought it was an amazing show. I so appreciate being here today with Brian and, of course, my co-host, Keith Carlson. I learned so much from Brian today, and I'm going to be staying in touch with him throughout, hopefully for many, many years to come. And I'm going to be hitting him up in Chicago when I'm there in October. And so if you found some value, certainly hit us up at hashtag RNFM Radio. Shout out to Brian of Nobby Socks. Hit him up as well. Follow him over there at his platform at Nobby Socks. N-A-B-E-E-S-O-C-K-S.com. And of course, we'll have all of that in the show notes and all of on our social media platforms at rnfmradio.com. So again, Brian, great interview. Loved having you. Thanks so much for sharing your time and energy with us today. And for all of you out there, thank you so much for sharing your time and energy with us. We hope that in some way you have felt uplifted and motivated and ready for something that moves the needle for you. Continue to innovate and create find passion in your life and your career each and every day care for yourself while caring for others and we look forward to having you back here with us again on rn fm radio